called Memorial Day because we're remembering the sacrifices of those uh, men and women that gave the ultimate sacrifice by giving their life for this great country. So I just want us to stand right. I'm going to ask uh, Sandra to come up. Her, her husband is overseas right now serving our country, and uh, she's been holding down the fort for a while. I'm sure she's ready for him to come back home. But we're just going to pray and ask God to bless our soldiers and just help us to remember the sacrifice that our freedom was not cheap. It was something that, that uh, people shed their, gave their life for. And uh, so let's not take it for granted. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, we just thank you for this wonderful country, God, that you've given us, Lord God. God, we thank you for the freedom that we have, God, even this morning, God, to worship you, Lord. And God, today, Father, as we remember, God, those soldiers, those men and women, moms and dads, children and grandchildren, God, that have fallen, God, as a sacrifice to protect the freedoms, God, that you've given us. God, we just honor them today, Lord God. God, we pray for their families, God, that they will know that um, they did not die in vain, Lord God. God, that we remember remember them, God, in our hearts, God, today and for every day, God. God, for all those men and women, God, that are still fighting to this day, Lord, that are away from their children and their families, God. Lord, God, that you would be with them today, God, that you would protect them. God, that you would give them a peace that passes all understanding, God. We thank you, God, that you're our deliverer and our protector, God. We thank you, God, that you are the reason that we are victorious in what we do, Lord. And God, I just pray, God, I plead your blood over every one of them, God, every family member, every soldier, God, this morning, God. Lord, we just thank you for them, God. We thank you for what they do for us, Lord. And again, lest we never forget, God, and give you all glory, praise, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Three more weeks. Hallelujah. You know, I'm, I'm really excited about what God's doing in this church. I'm excited about what Pastor Evan and Leah and the dreams and the visions that they have for, uh, the, for this community and the work they're putting forward. And I'm just so excited to be a part of it. Amen. How many of you are glad to be a part of this wonderful church and this wonderful move of God? I, uh, I was thinking, you know, attitude is everything. In life, our attitude of what we're doing, where we're going, if we're going to be successful or not, attitude is ever, you know, Henry Ford said, whether you think you can, you say you can, or you say you can't, you're right. And that's true. If you think you can do something, then you're going to try your very best and God is going to help you through and you're going to be successful. But if you get to something and you think I can't, then, uh, then you can't, then you're going to fail. So our attitude is everything, and I was, I was reading this story that there was a young couple that had, had a set of twins, and these twins were exactly alike in the way that they looked. They were identical. But over the years, they started to see something very different about of them. One of them was the optimist. I mean, he loved life, and every opportunity he saw was like a, a great opportunity, and he was just so excited to be able to go. And the other one was like, believing that everything was going to go wrong, you know. He grew up and, and he started thinking that, well, this looks good now, but I know something's going to go bad. And uh, so it, it became such a, a worry for the parents that they actually went to the doctor to talk to him about it. 
and the doctor gave them some advice, and they said, look, for the optimists, when their birthday, their birthday's coming up in a couple weeks, so when you have their birthday party, I want you to give the, the optimists a, uh, a big box full of manure. <laughs> and for the pessimist, I want you to go out and find the most up-to-date, fanciest bike, the most expensive thing that you can find. I want you to give the pessimist this new bike. So birthday came around and they handed out the presents and they gave the, uh, the bike to the pessimist first and he looked at it and he, he fell in love with it but the first words out of his mouth was, well, as soon as I get on it, I'm probably gonna crash it and break my leg. And so they gave the big box to the optimist and he started ripping it open and he got to it and he opened it up and he saw what it was and he looked and he looked confused at first. And then he threw the box down and he started running around the house and he ran to the front yard and all around the backyard and they're like, what are you doing? He said, you can't fool me. He said, with a big box of manure like this, there's gotta be a pony around here somewhere. <laughs> so you see, the attitude is everything. You can have the very best in the world, but, but if you don't think it's gonna be a blessing to you, then it's not. And then when life serves you lemons, if you're the optimist, then you make lemonade out of it, right? It's the attitude that gets you where you're gonna go, amen? I wanna, I wanna look at a Bible story in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And this is a story about attitude. I'm, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to read the scripture first and I'm going to go back and kind of explain it to you, set it up for you. 1 Samuel 14, starting in verse 1, it says, Later that day, Jonathan, Saul's son, said to his armor bearer, Come on, let's go over to the Philistine garrison patrol on the other side of the pass. But he didn't tell his father. Meanwhile, Saul was taking it easy under the pomegranate tree at the threshing floor on the edge of town. There were about 600 men with him. Ahijah, wearing the priestly ephod, was also there. Ahijah was the son of Ahitub, brother of Ichabod, son of Phinehas, who was the son of Eli, the priest of God in Shiloh. They said all that to say that he was a priest and he was in the priestly family. No one there knew that Jonathan had gone off. The pass that Jonathan was planning to cross over to the Philistine garrison was flanked on either side by sharp rock outcroppings, cliffs named Brozes and Sinai. The cliff to the north faced Michmash, the cliff to the south faced Gibeah. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on now, let's go across to these uncircumcised pagans. Maybe God will work with us. There's no rule that says God can only deliver us by using a big army. No one can stop God from saving when he sets his mind to it. His armor bearer said, go ahead, do what you think best. I'm with you all the way. Jonathan said, here's what we'll do. We'll cross over the pass and let the men see we're there. If they say, halt, don't move until we check you out, we'll stay put and not go up. But if they say, come on up, 
will go right up and we'll know God has given them to us. That will be our sign. So they did it. The two of them, they stepped into the open where they could be seen by the Philistine garrison. The Philistines shouted out, Look at that. The Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then they yelled down to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come on up here. We've got a thing or two to show you. Jonathan shouted to his armor bearer, Up, follow me. God has turned them over to Israel. Jonathan scrambled up on all fours, his armor bearer right on his heels. When the Philistines, Philistines came running up to them, he knocked them flat, his armor bearer right behind him, finishing them off, bashing their heads with stones. <laughs> In this first bloody encounter, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed about 20 men. That set off a terrific upheaval in both camp and field. The soldiers in the garrison and the raiding squad badly shaking up, the ground itself shuddering, panic like you've never seen before. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true and faithful, God. We thank you that your word is alive, God, and that it changes us. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that as your word speaks to us today, that we'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, that was a long story, a long passage there, but I want to kind of set it up so you can understand what's going on here. See, earlier that day, Jonathan was kind of like a, a hothead. He was kind of like one of these guys that just went out and did whatever he wanted to do. He was the king's son, so he felt like he had certain... Um, you know, rules didn't apply to him, so he just thought they had uh, all together Saul's army was about 6,000 or so people, not very big, but big enough to get the job done in that day. And uh, so Saul was over five of those garrisons, but one of them Jonathan had. He had about 1,000 guys with him. And uh, so Jonathan took it on himself earlier that day he went into one of the Philistine towns and killed the governor. <laughs> well, that kind of, when the Philistines heard about this, they, of course, were angry, and they, uh, they were going to take it out on the Philistines, so they gathered together a great army. The Bible says that it was so many that it was like counting the sand on the seashore. So remember that Jonathan, I mean, Saul had about 6,000 people all together. <laughs> And now the Philistine army had come up against him and was setting on the other side of this, uh, this mountain and this crevice in the, in the earth. And uh, so when the Israelite army saw what the Philistines were doing, they all started running and hiding. They said they were trying to find holes to hide in and, and cliffs to hide under, and they were running as far away as they could, so much so that... Uh, between Jonathan and Saul together, they had 600 men left. <laughs> now, you got 600 against a countless army on the other side. And not only was the army huge, but the Philistines were known to be warriors. These guys were giants. They were, their warriors were ambidextrous, which means they can fight with both hands. They were bad dudes. They were trained from the time they were kids to just kill people. That was their job. They were bad to the bone, all right? Now, at this time, Saul decides to take a siesta. 
<laughs> so he goes and gets under a tree, and while all this is going on, he's tired. He's thinking about, oh, my God, what did my son get me into? And uh, now I'm going to have to fight this battle. I've got 600 men. What I'm going to do, I better sleep this off. Well, Jonathan, being the hothead he is, had other plans. And he goes and he calls his armor bearer to him, and he says, look, I kind of started this mess. I kind of went out and did something I probably shouldn't have did, and now, now we're in trouble. My dad's all worried, but I've got a plan. If you'll go with me, I think God might show up, and he may do a miracle, and we may be able to get out of this thing. Amen? So that's kind of where we're at right now. We're at this story where Jonathan's trying to get his armor bearer to go into battle with him. And I read that whole thing, and you understand what happened. So when we look at that, there's several things that Jonathan had going on for him. And the first thing I want to talk about is that these are going to be steps to winning with God. How many of you know you've got to have God on your side? If you've got God with you, nothing's impossible. So the first thing that Jonathan had going for him is that he knew what he wanted. The number one thing is that he knew he had messed up. He knew he loved his country. He knew he loved God. And he knew that he wanted victory. He wanted freedom. He wanted to do something for God. He wanted to, to go to war and to make his dad proud, right? He had a vision. He had a dream. He had something that he knew. You got to know what you want. And so many times in Christianity, and I look around and I, you know, I, I have lots of life groups and, and I've talked to a lot of people and you can look at people and you ask them, hey, what's God's plan for your life? And they're like, um, I mean, I, I go to work, I've got this job. No, but what, what do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish with your life? What are you called to do? I mean, what, what is it that you want to do? And the reason that the church doesn't get anything done is because they don't know where to go. They don't know what they want. See, when you want something, you do whatever it takes to get it, don't you? I mean, you men know when you start dreaming about that new boat. <laughs> I've been kind of dreaming about a new boat. And, uh, you know, they say the best time in a man's life is when he buys the boat and when he sells the boat. But, uh, but when men get, get that idea, they, they start, I don't know about y'all, but I'm like the, uh, the Facebook swap shop guy, I just get on there and I look and look and look and I try to find that deal of a lifetime and usually by the time you get to it, somebody else has already bought it, you know, so uh, you just got to keep looking, but you got to keep dreaming, but once you get that thing, you start thinking, you know you ain't got the money to buy a new bass boat, and you know if you tell your wife, she's going to slap you upside the head, but if somehow you can find that deal you can kind of tell, and you start thinking of it. Man, what can I tell her? There's got to be some kind. You got to convince her into it because you know if you can get her on board, then it's all over, right? So you start, well, it's not for me. It's for kids. You know, we got to spend time with the kids. They're growing up and, you know, they like to fish and they like to do things and, you know, and, and we just got to do that thing. Whatever you got to do, right, guys? 
but you know what you want, and you stay focused on it until you get it. How many know what I'm talking about? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? That new four-wheeler, that new boat, the new truck, whatever it is, you get focused on that thing. The, the woman, Donovan, you start getting focused on that woman, you do whatever it takes, right? But you got to know what you want. In God's house, we've got to know what we want. What do you want to accomplish as a church in this community? What is it that we want to accomplish? What do you want to accomplish for this body? What is the gift that God's given to you that you want to put to work, that you want to say, you know what? I believe in what this church is doing. I want to get involved, and I want to, I want to go to work and do the things. You've got to know what you want. Amen? How many of you are with me? You got to know what you want. How many college students start college not knowing what, they're, what they want a degree in? They just start and say, well, I'm going to start somewhere. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to start. And they waste about two years just doing their general studies, going through the things, and then they figure, well, I better find a major in something. If it's basket weaving, I got to find out where I'm going here, right? I got to get a degree in something. And, uh, but when you know, you know, like, like a doctor, they know they want to be a doctor before they get out of high school. So they start working on it immediately. Nobody just wakes up halfway through college, well, I think I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer today. No, they start because they have the vision. And that's why they're so successful. They do the work and they do the things that they got to do. They get through school. They do all the hard work and go after it because they're focused. They know what they want. Say, I got to know what I want. So you got to look at your life. You know, Habakkuk 2, 2, 2, 2 through 3 says this. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and engrave it plainly on clay tablets so that the one who reads it will run. For the vision is yet for the appointed future time. It hurries towards the goal of fulfillment. It will not fail. Even though it delays, wait patiently for it because it will certainly come. It will not delay. Look, you got to know what your vision is. You got to know what your dream is. You got to know, you got to write this thing down. Even though it looks like it's a hundred years away, write it down, make it plain. Focus on accomplishing that thing that you want to do. Amen? Say, I got to know. And look, it's okay not to know right now. But it's not okay to stay there forever. If you don't know the direction that God wants you to go in, then you need to pray. You need to get up early in the morning. You need to ask God, God, what did you create? See, I'm a firm believer that God created every single one of us with a plan and a purpose. That he has a purpose for our life. None of us are accidents. None of us are where we are, where we are right now by accident. It's because God placed you here. It's because you have something to accomplish in the place where you're at. Amen? How many of you believe that with me? Look, then let's get to work. Let's know the direction we're going in so that we can create a plan and we can get moving in that direction. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to know. All right, number two. The other thing that's so very important in this story, and you'll see, number one, Jonathan knew what he wanted, and number two, he knew that he had to have some support with him. 
So who did he go to? He went to his armor bearer and said, look, I got this crazy idea. And let me explain the role of an armor bearer for you if you don't know. An armor bearer is a bad dude. He's like a bodyguard. He's not just someone that shines his armor and sharpens it. I mean, this is a bad dude. He's got it the back. Now, what you didn't write, I didn't tell you about this story is at this time, the Philistines had taken, there were no blacksmiths in the land. The only blacksmiths that they had were Philistine blacksmiths. The Israelites didn't have a blacksmith. Now, the blacksmiths were responsible for making weapons in that day and sharpening the weapons and keeping the weapons up. So the Israelite army had no, the only people that had weapons were Saul and Jonathan. They're the only two people in the whole army that had swords. That's why when you read the story, you see the arm, what was the armor bearer killing the guys with? Stones. He was bashing the guy's head in with stones. He didn't have a sword. He had stones. So the only two people that had a sword was Saul and Jonathan. Now Saul was sleeping under the tree and Jonathan was getting busy. And look, so they didn't have any, any weapons. All they had was, was uh, you ever see the, uh, the shows where you see these farmers coming out with their pitchforks and their, and well, that's kind of what this was. All they had was their farming equipment to fight with and some rocks. This is all they had. And they wasn't sharp because they didn't have a blacksmith to sharpen it for them. They just had dull farm equipment to go to battle with. Wasn't fun. But Jonathan knew, look, I've got to get somebody on my side. I've got to have somebody that's going to back me up. And the first person he thought of, look, i got my armor bearer. He's a bad dude. He's got my back. I know I can trust him. I need an armor bearer. Colt, come here. Come be my armor bearer for a minute. Now, the job of the armor bearer was to stay right beside the guy. No matter where he went, he was right behind him. He stayed right behind. He's kind of like a caddy for the golf guy. You know, when he's in the middle of the battle, you know, Jonathan, hey, I need that, that uh, ball with the spikes all over it. Throw it to me real quick. So he's there, and, he, and he gets, he's got all his weapons ready, and he's right behind him. Somebody comes up behind him. He's getting ready to kill him. Well, his armor bearer's right. Kill that guy. There you go. And, and he's got his back, you know. It doesn't matter where he goes. The armor bearer's right by his side. So... Jonathan comes in and he says, look, man, there's like 100,000 guys across the creek over there. I got this idea that uh, me and you, we're going to go over there and take these guys out. What do you think about that? Let's do it. All right. See? Now, he knew. He didn't tell anybody else. Nobody else knew where he was going. So he knew that if I tell this guy he's going to be with, he needed some encouragement. How many of you need some encouragement sometimes? Sometimes you know what you want to do, but then you just don't have that encourager to push you along. You don't have somebody there to say, hey, man, if you think it's the right thing to do, I'm with you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to be there for you. No matter what you go through, I got your back, man. I'm going to be there. And sometimes we need that person in our life that we can share our dream to. Because what would have happened if Jonathan would have went to Saul and said, look, hey, Dad, uh, me and my armor bearer, we're going to go across the cliff there and we're going to take out these guys. What do you think Saul would have said? Well, we got 600 guys here. There ain't no way we're going across there. They're going to slaughter us if we try. Let's just wait here. 
and see what happens. Let's just, and he would have got what? Discouraged. He would have squashed his dream. See, sometimes we got to have that person that's with us, that's backing us up. No matter how crazy it seems like our plans were, like I brought my wife through some crazy things in our 30-some years of being together. And she's always been there, okay, if you think this is the right thing for our family, I'm with you. I'm going to back you up. I'm going to be there for you. Now, sometimes she had to set me straight, and I, and I had to listen to what she said, and she told Pastor Bray on me a few times. But, <laughs> but for the most part, she stuck there with me. You know, sometimes, where's my, what, golly. <laughs> Stay with me, man. Just starting to trust you now. All right, so you got to have that guy. you got to have that team. Even Jesus, what's the first thing he did before he started his ministry? He assembled his team. He got his team together because he needed some support. Now, those guys, some of them were knuckleheads, right? Some of them argued. Some of them did things. Hey, I'm going to be the greatest. Hey, you know, he had to fuss at them a few times about not having enough faith, not doing things. But he knew at the end of the day they had his back, that they were going to be there with him, that he could share his ministry, and he can share his dreams with these guys, and they were going to be with him. All right, you ready to go? All right, let's go. So... The next thing that Jonathan had to do was come up with a plan. I'm losing the camera here. He had to come up with a plan. And if we read that story, we got to understand that his plan was this. He says, look, we're going to go across and we're going to let the Philistine army see us. And if they say, look, hey, we're going to come down and talk to you a little minute, and, uh, and share a little story with you, then we're just going to stay put and we're not going to go. But if they say, hey, y'all come on up over here, we got to show you a thing or two, then we'll know that that's a sign from God. So they make themselves known, the, uh, and they look down and say, look, the little rats are crawling out of their holes. They start making fun of them. Look, these guys, they, they, they're coming out. And then what do they say? They say, hey, come on up here. We want to show you a thing or two. Well, what does Jonathan do immediately? He goes, okay, you ready? Let's do this thing. God is with us. So they jump down between these cliffs, and they start crying. So they got on all fours, climbed up, and went up and said they started killing people as they were gone. Jonathan was slaying the guys behind him, crashing their heads in with stones, making sure that it, you're not getting that, man. You got to get after it. <laughs> and he's, he's killing people. He said the first battle, they killed 20 people. And when they killed these 20 people, all of a sudden, something happened. Guess what? God showed up. And those, those two people became 100,000 people. And all of a sudden, God put confusion on the, on the Philistine army. And they just started going crazy. They started killing themselves. All of a sudden, Saul started hearing something from across the way, looks across, and he sees the army. They get their guys together, all 600 of them, and they start chasing them with their pitchforks and their spears. And, and they, they chase them all the way out of the country where there's not one left. 
That's because somebody had a vision. Somebody had somebody behind them. Somebody had a plan. And then the fourth thing is, good job, Colt. Thank you, man. Great armor bearer. And then Jonathan had this other thing, thing we like to call faith, but it's a thing that says, I know what God can do. I'm not afraid. See, the enemy uses this thing called fear. And look, it's got to be kind of a scary feeling to look across and see 100,000 soldiers that have been trained to kill you all their life, and then here you are, you and your armor bearer, thinking that you're going to do something. But you know what? Jonathan had to do. He said, look, it ain't about me. It's about what God can do through me. And see, there's something great. When we get that, when we understand what God can do through us, then nothing can stop us. When we understand that God has a plan for our life and that the ability to achieve success in that plan for our life is not up to us, but it's up to God. See, there's no way in the natural Jonathan could have took those guys on and won, right? It's one guy with a sword against an entire army and an armor bearer with a couple stones. Logically, there's no explanation. There's no way that they can win. But Jonathan had a little something called faith that said, you know what? If God gave me this plan, and I believe he did, then there's nothing that can stop me. He said, look, there's no rule that says God can save by many or by few. There's no rule that says God has to have an army. There's no rule that says that we've got to have a uh, hundred thousand against their hundred thousand to come out victorious. There's no rule. The only rule is faith. The only rule is believing and knowing what God can do. So you've got to make up your mind now and know that nothing is impossible with God. Say it with me. Say nothing, nothing. is impossible with God. Psalms 127.1 says this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guard, guard, guards the city, the watchmen keep awake in vain. See, if you go in the battle by yourself, you lose. But if God is with you, you win every single time. Now, I don't care what the battle is. How many of you have financial battles? How many of you have battles with your children? How many of you have battles at your workplace? How many of you have battles every single day? You have obstacles that come in front of you and say, you can't go any further. And at some point, you gotta say, you know what? You're not gonna uh, tell me where I can go or where I can't go. I only listen to God. And if I wanna move forward, then I'm gonna move forward because God is with me. Look, the only way that we can defeat these obstacles in our life is with God. I've been through many I've had many disappointments and many things come, come before me in my life. On a daily basis, I have challenges. But my attitude towards God and knowing that there's nothing that is going to keep me down. Have I been knocked down a few times? Absolutely. But I've got the attitude that says, you know what? God's going to see me through this. This might look bad now, 
but I see my future, and my future looks a whole lot better than it does right now. You know what? You've got to see your future. You can't dwell on where you're at right now. See, if Jonathan would have just looked at logic, and he would have looked over that, uh, that, that cliff and, and saw that huge army, if he would have looked at it logically, he would have been defeated already. What happened with the disciples in the, in the boat when the storm came? Jesus is sleeping. There's no problem. The disciples are freaking out because the boat's beginning to sink. They wake Jesus. Look, they had to wake the dude up <laughs> in the storm with the boat sinking. How many of you have been on a cruise before or been on a boat? I was in the Navy and uh, I remember going on these boats and I remember being through several storms. You can't sleep in these storms when you're, I don't care how big the boat you're on. I was on an aircraft carrier and it was a big boat. But when you're in a storm, Mother Nature's a, a, a scary thing. And you you watching all these boats around you and you're looking around and you're thinking, we're gonna go over, man. This is not good. You know, between getting sick to your stomach and almost puking all over the place and worrying about what's gonna happen, there ain't no sleeping going on. Now, Jesus wasn't on an aircraft carrier. He was on this little fishing boat. He was sleeping. But his disciples were freaking out. They have to go wake him up. Jesus, we're dying. And what's Jesus' first words? Ye of little faith. How long do I have to stay here with you before you understand that it doesn't matter what the doesn't matter what the storm looks like now. Don't you realize that I'm with you? And if I'm with you, you're not gonna go down. If I'm with you, if Jesus is with you, there's no going down. You've got to assume the attitude and know that, you know what? God is with me. If God has given me the vision, God has helped me put a plan together, and all the doors are opening up just like God said. You see, that's the... Jonathan had a decision to make at that moment. See, he had gotten it all together, and the moment came to when he put God to the test and said, okay, God, if they say this, we're gonna do this. If they say that, we're gonna do this. Now, when it came out that, okay, y'all come on up, did Jonathan hesitate? Not one moment. See, that's the moment. And most of the time we get to that moment and we start thinking, God's already opened all the doors. We've already prayed. We've asked God to give us the sign. We've asked God to do this in our life. If you do this or you do that, then I'll serve you with my life and I'll do whatever. But then when that door is opened, we stop and we start thinking again. Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about if this happens? See, we can't hesitate. When, the door, when God opens the door, we gotta jump through. Jonathan didn't hesitate. He looked back at his armor bearer and said, you ready to go? And his armor bearer said, let's do it. And they started crawling on all fours, climbing the mountain and getting to the other side, kicking butt and taking name. They did not hesitate for one moment. They jumped in it. They jumped in it, got the work done, and did what God 
had called them to do. See, it's that moment. We all have those moments. And look, there's lots of moments that we can look back on and we can say, I wish I would have did that differently. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. There was that door that was open and all of a sudden you're thinking, "Mm, that looks good, but not right now, God. I'm going to do it this way. And then you wander around in the desert for 40 years. See, opportunity. I had a guy from South Africa talk to me one time about the word opportunity and it comes from the root word opportune and an opportune is something that in South Africa the natives they would practice shooting their spears and they would set up a, uh, a tube and they would put it in the middle of this target and it would be about five or six foot long and it would be about three or four inches wide and they would back up and they would practice throwing that spear into that tube the opportune. And see, their practice was to hit the opportunity every time. That when I throw my spear, it's gonna create the opportunity. That when I get through and I hit the mark, then the opportunity is there. Then I hit the mark, I win. Amen? See, it's about taking that opportunity. It's about seeing it, focusing on it. What are they, when you're trying to hit something? a pitcher in a major league, what are they focused at? They focus on that catcher's glove, right? And they're looking. And wherever that glove is is where they're trying to hit the spot every time. And those that are great are the ones that hit the mark every single time. You can't miss the pitch. You leave that curveball hanging a little too long, they're going to hit it over the fence, right? So you've got to hit it every time. You can't make the wrong pitch at the wrong time. You've got to make the right pitch every single time. You've got to hit the mark. Say hit the mark. See, when you see the opportunity, you can't waste it. You've got to jump on it, just like Jonathan did. He did not hesitate. The door was opened. He, he had the plan. The plan was all worked out, and all of a sudden, he finds himself in the middle of a battle, him and his armor bearer. Never looked back. You would have thought he had 100,000 people on his side. He, he was fighting like he had an army behind him. It didn't matter if there was a few or if there was many. The door was open. God said go, so he went. All right, the last thing is Jonathan understood something. When I take the opportunity and when the enemy is in front of me, And when I have the opportunity to wipe them out, I need to finish the job. Say finish the job. We have to finish what God started in us. Now look, a lot of us have great intentions and we have great ideas and we have um, a lot of opportunities in front of us and we look at them and we we mark them down and we say, well, here's an idea. Let me write this one down. Well, here's another idea. You know, I I heard somebody say that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And, uh, And it's so true that we have intentions to pray for people. 
Somebody calls and says, man, I'm just not feeling good. Oh, I'll pray for you later, and then life comes and distracts you and keeps you away. You know, when the door is open is when you have to, it's not the intentions that get you to heaven. It's the action. It's putting action to the faith that you have. See, Jonathan's intentions were great all along. His intentions were, were perfect. He wanted to win. He wanted, if need be, he was going to die for his country. His intentions were great. But if he would have stayed right there and not followed through, and even if he would have went on and he killed these 20 people and then he would run back to camp, he didn't finish. The Bible says that not only did he kill the 20, but then they chased him completely out of the land, every one of them. Didn't leave one, chased them all the way so that they would not be a threat anymore. See, that's how things are in our life. We can't look at the threat, cover it up temporarily, and then move on. But guess what? That thing's gonna pop right back up again. See, we either deal with it completely get it completely out of, if, if sin is an issue, not doing that sin for a couple weeks is not helping you. Praying against it and saying that, oh, well, you know, that was just me and God loves me anyway and, and it's gonna be okay, that's not getting you where you need to go. See, whatever the issue is in your life, you gotta kick it completely out. The Philistines have to go completely. You can't keep fighting the same battle over and over and over. Read the book of Judges. <laughs> and you see the, the Israelites just kept going through it. They would serve God for a few years. Then something would happen. They'd get disappointed. And then God would take his hands off of them and the enemy would come and steal everything that they worked for over and over and over again because they would not do what God told them to do to the T. See, God's very exact in his plan. He's very exact in what he can do in your life. He's very exact about driving out sin. He can't be where sin is. It's just that simple. He refuses. So if you're allowing that in your life, then God's not there, not at that point in your life. And if you don't have God in that area of your life, you can't win. So whatever the issue is, whether it be fear, whether it be doubt, whatever, you know what it is. It's between you and God. There's some things that nobody knows that only you know, and that's okay. God knows. But look, today's the day that you gotta say, no, I'm not gonna allow this thing to keep operating in my life. I'm not going to allow the disappointment to keep coming. I'm not going to allow the Philistines to keep coming back in and stealing everything that I've worked for. See, the attitude has to be I'm finishing. I'm not just going to start something, and when times get hard, I'm going to quit. I'm going to start it. I'm going to work through the hard times. I'm going to be victorious over those obstacles that, that come in my life, and I'm going to receive the victor's crown. 
Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 9, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run their very best to win? All of them are running as hard as they can. All of them want to win. They're all looking at the goal to win. All of them have trained. You look at any major league athlete, they're all good. You know what the difference is between the winners and the losers? It's not that one's more athletic than the other. It's that one makes up his mind that I'm going to win no matter what the obstacles are, no matter what comes against me. I'm a winner. I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to accept loss in my life. All of them try their very best to win, but only one receives the prize. Run your race. Look at your neighbor and say, run your race. See, everybody has a race. All of us have a race that we're running. It says, run, run your race in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. Are y'all hearing me? Run your race in a way that you will seize the prize and make it your own. You got to make up your mind that I'm getting the prize. That I'm not just, I don't just want to be in the race. You know, we have the, uh, the College World Series coming up. And some of these teens are happy just to be in the tournament. That was their goal at the beginning of the year. I just want to make it to the tournament. If I make it to the tournament, then we, we count that a victory. LSU fans know that that's not an option. They're saying, no, we want to win the whole thing. It's not about getting to the tournament. We want to win the tournament. We want to be the national champions. It's not enough to be in the race, guys. Everybody sitting in the seat is in the race. But not everybody's going to win the prize. Only those that stay focused. Only those that say, you know what? I'm not going to let distractions get in my way. When God opens the door, when I have the opportunity, I'm taking it. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to try to logically figure things out. God opens the doors. He gives me the plan. I move forward. I'm going to finish the job and I'm going to collect the prize. I like winning. I love winning. It's what I live for, is to win. I hate to lose. It sucks. It's bad. I don't like losing. Anybody like to lose? Please don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. Everybody wants to win. Everybody that's in that race wants to win. You've got to make up your mind. See, the only thing that's keeping you from winning in the kingdom of God is you. The devil can't keep you. Distractions can't keep you. The Bible says that, that the highest mountains and the lowest lows can't keep you from the love of God. The Bible says nothing can separate you. There's nothing that can come between you and God. And when God is on your side, you instantly win. 
Let's go through this one more time, and we're going to pray. And I want you to be thinking, first of all, you got to know what you want. What is it? What do you want to win at? What is victory in your life? Right now, what's keeping you from saying, I'm not victorious? This area of my life, I'm not victorious. I need victory. Do you have that person that's going to support you? Do you have that person that you can go to and is going to help you through? It's going to give you the right advice. Look, I'm not talking about just having friends that will listen and tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody that loves you enough to tell you the truth. Says, no, 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 that's wrong. You got to move this way. That's going to encourage you and tell you, no, now's not the time to quit. As hard as it seems, life is tough right now. You just need to take a break. Just calm down. Take a break. It's going to be okay. Give it a year or two, and then you can move on, and everything's going to be okay. No. Now's the time. We're not getting any younger. Although, all my kids are getting older and I'm staying the same. I'm not getting older or younger, I'm just staying. It's a miracle. <laughs> Look, we're not getting any younger. We only have a certain number of days to finish what God's called us to do. Even the Bible says that we're not promised tomorrow. So we either win today or we lose. See, winning has to be a daily thing. It has to be a daily victory that you overcome every single day, not just once in a while. You see, a testimony, and I love testimonies because that's what God's done in your life. But if you're still living on a testimony from 10 years ago, something's wrong. If you're still living on that, on that victory, something's wrong. You got to be moving. You should go from, the Bible says you go from victory to victory. You don't win one victory and stay there. We keep taking ground. So you got to have the attitude that one victory is good, but two is better. And if two's good, three's even better than that. Right? And you keep moving, and you keep moving forward. Say it with me. Say, victory after victory is mine starting today. So you got to have that person that's going to get you. you got to get the plan of God for your life. Now that you know what you want to do, pray about it. Let God give you a plan. Write it down. Make it plain. Post it on your mirror. This is my plan. This is what I'm going to achieve. Plans are important. If you don't know what you need to accomplish today, then you're not going to accomplish it. If in the morning you don't wake up and you have a plan on what I have to do to be successful today, then you're probably going to go through the day and not be successful. You're just going to settle for whatever you got done. But if you have it written down and there's 10 minutes left in your work day and you look at that last thing and say, man, I didn't get to that thing. I got 10 minutes left. Maybe I can get that done. And you work towards it and you move and you get that done. But if you don't have a, a clear plan, then you don't even know what you're trying to achieve. Say, I've got to have a plan. And you've got to have God with you. And you've got to know that he's with you. And you've got to know that your victory is not up to you. 
It's up to God. See, God put that plan and that purpose in your life. And the Bible says that he will give you every good, every resource for every good work. That he will thoroughly equip you. Say thoroughly equip. That means he's going to give you every single resource that you need to accomplish the thing that he's called you to do. Working for God is a good work. Am I right? So the pressure is not on you. You don't have to make a million dollars. You don't have to know every scripture in and out, backwards and forwards. You don't have to know it. You just have to know that God is with you and that he gives you the resources to be successful. You don't have to work on your own. God's with you. Look, if he can take out a whole Philistine army with two people, then can he operate in your life and take out that obstacle that's in front of you? Can he do it? Can he? And then let's finish. Let's finish. I want everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want to give everybody the opportunity to finish what God started today. You know, in some of our lives, we, we don't know. You may not even have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning. And if that's you, I don't want you to leave here today without, not without knowing him. You've got to know him. Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to you. He's going to carry you through the hard times. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you that once you accept Jesus, Lord, your Savior, life, uh, life gets easy. It's not always going to be easy, but he's going to equip you to overcome. That's the good news. The good news is not that you're just saved, not that you just get to go to heaven which is great. The good news is that you get to live heaven on earth, that you get to overcome, that you don't have to struggle and keep struggling, that he's going to give you what you need to overcome. That's the good news. So if you're here today and you haven't received Jesus or maybe you were serving him with all your heart at one time but you've kind of slipped away and you want to be close to him again with every eye closed and every head back, can you just lift your hand? I just want to pray for you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you. I see you. Look, it's all about an attitude. You can keep them lifted, and I'm just going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for these people that are lifting their hands, that are trusting their life in you. They're tired of doing life by themselves. I pray right now, God, that you would come down from heaven and you would touch each and every one of them right where they're at today, that their lives would never be the same. Now, I want everybody in the room to repeat this prayer after me. I want you to say, Father, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I need you. I can't do life on my own. I believe that the cross was for me. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins, for my mistakes. And I accept you right now as my Lord and my Savior. I yield myself to you. I give my whole life to you. I trust you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And now look, I want to say one more prayer. 
if you're here today and you're serving God, but your attitude is just not where it needs to be. You don't know where you're supposed to go. You don't know what the plan is. You don't know how to make a plan. Your attitude stinks. You're negative. You're the, the, uh, the pessimist, and all you think about is how things can go wrong, and you want to get right, and you want to say, you know what? I want to believe. I want to work with God in my life. If that's you today, I just want you to lift your hands where you're at and say, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to work with God and not by myself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Evan's team to come up front, and we're just going to we're going to get ready to pray for you. If you're, I'm, I'm going to pray for you right now. But if if you want to come up front, when it's over, these guys are going to be Evan and myself. I'm going to be here to pray for you, and uh, whatever that obstacle is in your life, we're going to pray you through it. Amen. Everybody lift their hands right now. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for this great church, Lord, this great group of people, Father. I thank you right now, Lord, that you're anointing this church with faith, that you're anointing these people in this room with the ability, God, to know what they can do when you are with them that no longer are they going to squander the opportunities that you put before them, God, but they're going to run through that door with everything that they have, God, with their armor bearer and their team with them, God, conquering and defeating everything that comes before them, Father, that they're going to leave here today knowing that they only will settle for victory. And God, I thank you right now that you're changing their thought life that you're changing the struggles in their mind that, that make them think that they can't do it, Lord. That right now, Lord, you're opening their eyes to see victory and victory alone. And God, I thank you for it, Lord. God, we give you this day. I thank you, Lord, that you're doing great things in us and through us, God. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to do great things through us this week, God, as we see others, God. And we... we uh, we share the testimony of your love through our life, God, that people's lives are going to be changed, God. And we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. The altar's open. If you guys want to come up for prayer, please come right now. If not, you're dismissed. Have a great week.